King Charles will be crowned next month, but you won't have a day off work. Sorry about that. As Prince of Wales, he was able, as you know, to express thoughts on challenging questions such as conservation. But as King, no more. So let's remind ourselves of the passion he once expressed on The Science Show about his personal commitments. There was absolutely nothing. It was the most extraordinarily bare, barren place. You know, it sits at 500 feet, which I hadn't realised at the time. And it's very flat and pretty windswept and exposed. There were no hedges and there was nothing around the house. There were no flower beds under the house. It really was extraordinary. I was looking at the photographs the other day, back in 1980, and I just couldn't believe it when I looked at it again, how absolutely empty it was. So there was an awful lot to be done. I sometimes wonder why I went there, but I fell in love with the most wonderful cedar tree, which is on the west side of the house. And I fell in love with the walled garden, which I saw had enormous potential. And I rather liked that sort of open landscape just around the house, which was, to me, quintessentially English. So why in the world did you want wildflowers and a hay meadow beside the house? Why not the formal, manicured lawns of our stately homes? Well, I mean, I, I just have a different outlook. To me, the secret, I think, really, of creating a garden, and the fun is starting from scratch. And I just felt that what was necessary was a an interesting mixture of atmospheres as you walked around the garden. And basically, I did the whole thing by feel more than anything else. I didn't have a master plan. I thought the best thing was to turn to people who I admired. And as it turned out, one of them was Miriam Rothschild. And the other thing I felt very strongly was, you know, we've managed since the last war to destroy vast, vast areas of this country in terms of its flora and fauna all the sort of herb-rich meadows and the chalk downland and the wetlands and all these things. And we have actually reduced these areas to very, very small little patches here and there. And I feel very strongly about trying to make my own tiny little contribution to trying to find ways of restoring some of these habitats. The difficulty, of course, is to try and regenerate such places because once you've actually ploughed them up and destroyed an ancient system of management, because most of these areas actually produce the interesting wildflowers because of the type of management. Once you stop all that and you introduce a different system altogether, it takes a long, long time. It's like once you start destroying or cutting down ancient woodlands, you can't just recreate an ancient woodland. It takes hundreds of years. The pictures in your book, and I'm looking at one now, It's absolutely superb. There are poppies and the oxide daisies, and it just looks gorgeous. Well, it does. I mean, when it works, it's marvellous. And it's it's, it's great fun experimenting, but, of course, everybody now comes to Highgrim and says, where are the wildflowers? (laughs) And if you come in May, it's much better. But come, what, the end of June, really, there's not much. So can you organise all your important visitors in May? I try to, but it's not easy. (laughs) Sir, I believe Miriam Rothschild also advised you on your dragonfly reserve, which I think you call by another name. The splendid German character who designed it for us, he called it a sewage garden. He sent the most wonderful letter saying, now that you are the proud owner of a sewage garden. Tell me about it. Well, basically, the idea was to try and do something about a disintegrating septic tank, which we had. It was 
obviously beginning to rot. And a lot of the effluent and things was going down the, from the farm and from this tank, down a ditch into probably a river somewhere. And I thought this was not the best thing, to say the least. And so we had to do something about it. And we looked at a whole series of options. So I'm afraid I didn't just want to have another normal, standard, conventional septic tank system. Nor did I want a biological system, which, I mean, sounded quite a good way of doing it, but would then have required a lorry to come along, I don't know, every six months or something, and, and suck out this stuff and take it away. Now, where the hell were they going to put it? Mm-hmm. It seemed to me the much the best thing was to try and create a, a cycle where you would contain everything and not waste the waste and ultimately turn it into something worthwhile like compost, which you could then put on the garden or whatever. And we finally discovered about this German gentleman called Uwe Berko, who designs, and there was only about two or three other ones in the country, I think, these reed bed systems to deal with effluent. And it basically works on an ancient, very ancient system. And in the old days, it used to be based on, on a gravity system to get the effluent up into the reed beds and then flow down through the reeds and a willow bed and into a pond. But basically, it, I think, is a more self-contained system. It's more environmentally friendly, I believe, in the long run. And it can look rather nice as well and has this end product, which you can put on the, on the garden. The trouble is the capital costs are quite high, but I believe in the end it's a better one. And the National Rivers Authority in this country, who look after all the river quality and, and, and water quality generally, have been to look at it and test it, and they're very impressed by it, I think, and the water quality ultimately, which flows out of the ditch at the end, is now very clean. But uh, Miriam persuaded me, she said it'd be a very good idea, to establish dragonflies in this pond. And it'd be great fun to see if we could try to attract all 15 species of dragonfly which exist in this country. So I said, marvellous, what a good idea. The first dragonfly reserve in England was started here at Ashton Wold, and before you could say Jack Robinson, we had one at Highgrove too, which was simply marvellous. And I think that's going to be a tremendous success. And it was staggering that after we'd put in the plants to attract the dragonfly, they appeared like out of the blue, like magic much too soon, really, than they should have done. And the thing that really pleased us most of all was that the day we'd finished planting, a kingfisher came along and sat on the bank. I think that dragonfly reserve is going to be something that we'll hear a good deal more about. You were saying about how you were wanting to recreate the habitats because I believe Britain has, and I'm trying to remember now from, again, from the book, something like 31 species of dragonflies have died out. And here you are trying to recreate the habitats. Well, I mean, as I say, it's just a small contribution I can try and make. Miriam Rothschild, who's been such a great pioneer of so many of these things over the years, and at a time when nobody wanted to know, she was still determinedly going on, doing wonderful things, I think, and trying to save different species and habitats and so on. No, I, all I feel I can do is to try and do things myself and hope that others may notice and come and look and say, well, that's a nice idea, which in fact people are doing now. And you never know, they may get ideas and try to establish similar kinds of things themselves, perhaps on a smaller scale, because I mean, I'm lucky because I can do it on a bit of a bigger scale. But I just feel I want to try and leave something better behind than, than I found. 
And I do think we need to rediscover some of the things we've lost and thrown away. And we've actually been busily chucking the baby out with the bathwater, I think, for the last 40 years or so, more, 50, 60 years, and treating everything as an industrial process, which I think is utterly wrong. And I think there's far more to life than that. There are many more profound things which matter. And I do think that the important thing is to try and rediscover that long-term vision which our ancestors tended to have. And without that, I think we will end up in a very awkward position eventually. Highgrove is to be the centre of a three-year research project by three government councils. The work will be independent and funded by the councils, but it's being done at the Prince's suggestion. The project will look at how a large property can move towards sustainable agriculture, to show how productivity can be improved when external inputs are reduced to a minimum. It'll examine the benefits to soil and water, to flora and fauna, and to look at the economic ups and downs of organic farming. As Highgrove, the objective of the study is to create a model farm for the post-Rio age. The trouble is that so much of what I'm trying to do is on such a long timescale. I mean, everybody nowadays expects everything to happen overnight, you know. Convenience food, convenience everything. Zero effort, convenience medical treatment. You, know, you take a pill, you take an antibiotic, just get rid of the problem like that. Whereas, in fact, I believe, in order to balance our existence on this earth, we need to realize that we're not the only generation that's ever lived and there are lots more to come hopefully after us we need to make sure that we continue these processes and we look after the countryside and, and our environment in a way that doesn't prejudice our grandchildren's chances and if you tend to go out on a limb perhaps and do these sorts of things it very often interests people more than doing it in a completely conventional way. And anyway, I disapprove and disagree with the conventional approach because I think it's short-sighted. And uh, I think what we need to establish so much more in every sphere of life is a more holistic approach in medicine, agriculture, education, and a whole range of other areas. And that's one of my ambitions. Prince Charles in 1993, now King Charles, and the coronation is early next month. You also heard Miriam Rothschild and Sharon Carlton.